to you to do that. So let's go ahead and jump into this. So, because I, I see y'all up in here suffering for the Lord. <laughs> this is one day you wish you were online. Yeah, all the folk online, all nice and cozy and everything. Some of them got coffee in their bed looking at us. Man, but that's about to be you in just a few minutes. Let's go ahead and, and run through this so we can let you out early today. <laughs> that's too funny. All right, Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 40. We're going to talk a little bit more about this race that we're in. How much more do I need to say? And before I read this, you know that uh, you can keep the scripture up, you guys. Um, you know, the entire chapter of Hebrews is what they call the Faith Hall of Fame. It is a list of names of individuals that God was impressed with them. He was impressed particularly with their faith and their ability to stand. So I encourage you to read the whole chapter. It lists each individual with a little bit of detail. Then we get here to verse 32, and it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to return from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. See, that's the real Christian walk. Not you freezing in a heavy coat. <laughs> they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now, before I read Hebrews chapter 12, which is the next chapter, just give you a little Bible study education here, is that when you read these chapters and verses, it's actually one long letter. It's not separate letters. When you read the book of James, when you read chapter 1, and then you move to chapter 2, it's still the same letter. The translators divided it up that way so that I could say, turn to James chapter 2, verse 10. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to find your place in the letter. You understand what I'm saying? It's kind of like, the reason why you keep a bookmarker when you read a book so you can find your place when you come back. Okay, so Hebrews chapter, the, the entire book of Hebrews is one long letter that one man penned by the Holy Spirit. So when you move over to the next chapter, verse 1, he's still talking about the same thing. So in, in, in was he said, God has something better for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. So then when you move over to what they called Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because of everything that I just mentioned, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Whenever you run a race, what do they do? Tell you, keep looking forward. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion 
who initiated the race in the first place and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. In other words, the Bible is saying that the, one of the reasons why Jesus was able to have the fortitude to be able to go through such a gruesome death, he kept his eyes on what was going to happen on the other side. And so in order for you to get through things, in order for you to get through this life, in order for you to continue to do the right thing, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus and keep the eyes on your eternal reward. Okay, so like we said before, I'm just going to bring, uh, I have to be careful because you all need to make sure that we have recaps, just like you are in school. They say, okay, look, let's have a nice little recap because this is not for the purpose of your entertainment. <laughs> this is for the purpose of you stacking up chips on the other side and living large and getting your full reward. So I just want to make sure that I recap a couple of things. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say we're in a marathon. We call it a marathon because of how long it is. The Bible never says this race is a marathon. It's a relay race. It is the longest relay race in the history of man. It is a 6,000-year relay race. And it says in the scripture that we read before that the ones who ran their stage before us, they can't be perfected without us. We talked about last Wednesday how, how many of you know, it is the individual that does the last stage that you pinpoint all of your hopes and dreams on. They specifically are very careful about the last guy who runs the last stage because if the first guy messes it up, the second guy can maybe make up lost time. If the first and the second mess up, the third guy can make up the mess ups from the first and the second. But when you get to that last guy, okay, all of the other guys stand by as witnesses, like the Bible says. It says all of the individuals in Hebrews chapter 11 are now witnesses watching you to see how you're going to run the last leg because they can't be perfected unless you do your part. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. It's also a lot of honor because it lets you know that out of 6,000 years of human history, God specifically chose you, apparently, are the best to be here at the last time. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 7. Soldiers, and, and with this passage here, it shows that not all of you are, we are running a race while fighting a war, while sowing seed, and the race is to see how fast we can build a building and hasten the return of the Lord. It's a scripture, that, a couple of scriptures that say that. It says, do these things so that you can hasten the Lord's return. It sounds as if the hastening of his return has to do with numbers. When a certain number of souls hits the mark and we are under, at 100%, then boom, we can bring it on home. It, 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 because the scripture keeps talking about, I mean, you, you would think that those that are in heaven are already perfect. But the scripture says they can't walk in perfection without us. That messes your religious mind up. Okay? So it says soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying, and the Lord will help you understand all these things. When he said, think about what I'm saying, he's saying that there's a whole lot of revelation and examples in those three things. Being a soldier, being a farmer, and being an athlete. Okay? And I'm going to focus on one thing in particular just for a few moments. It says in verse 5, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. We're going to talk about some things, a couple are kind of heartbreaking, in regards to breaking the rules. This is not, when we say race, 
There are elements in the races and the wars and farming and planet Earth that will give you examples, but this race is much more bigger, faster, and complex than any race. You actually have to look at every single sport in planet Earth to get cues on how this race should be run. You have to look at boxing. You have to look at boxing is more fighting, you know, um, with your hands, whereas um, jiu-jitsu is more of the type of fighting that you do with the devil. Jiu-jitsu has to do with wrestling and tying a person up. And well, that's why the Bible says, it says we wrestle not. It didn't say we fight not. It says we wrestle not. Wrestling is very frustrating. That's why a lot of you in certain seasons of your life, you live a very frustrated season. It's because you're not fighting the devil, you're wrestling with him. Okay? Wrestling is very frustrating because you can get tied up and knotted up and twisted up and you can't get out of this chokehold and it's squeezing your face and they got you in a leg lock. They got you. Wrestling is completely different than just boxing. Okay, just boxing and just boxing, okay? And it's, you got to look at each one of those to get a revelation about those, okay? But 1 Corinthians 3, 9, pushing a little bit so that your suffering, as the scripture says, is for a little while. <laughs> Garnett is sitting up here like he holding on to the horns of the altar. Oh. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. So this race, in this race, you are also doing multiple things during this race. Um, there is a major reward just for finishing it, but you are picking up treasures and points while you're running it. Some of you that play video games know what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. So we're going to talk about the final reward, and then these are the things that you're picking up while you're running the race. Many of you have heard this before. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So while you're running this 6,000-year race, this is our leg now, you're also every single day stacking up treasures in different categories and wards because everything you do during the race is put in also into subcategories. And that's the thing. you got to keep remembering that. Everything you do and say is put into six categories. Gold, silver, jewels, which are the category of three good decisions. And then wood, hay, and stubble, which are the three categories of bad decisions. Okay? And again, I always repeat this because there are always people that are new. Gold, silver, jewels, Scripture says it this way. 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold says it another way. That which is perfect, that which is good, that which is acceptable. The world does it another way. First place, second place, third place. Gold, silver, bronze, A, B, C. You see that in the pattern of three. Okay? Three when it comes to good, three when it comes to bad. Y'all got that? Heard that before. Second John 1, 8, to prove that this is a race. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. That, that scripture always bothered me because I thought it should say, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. It didn't say that. What it's saying is, how many know, in a relay race, we, watch this. The first guy did good, the second guy did good, and the third guy did good, and so now we are ahead. So we have achieved great success so far. 
Y'all follow me? So watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you can receive your full reward. So that's letting you, this may sound crazy. I know this is rocking your religion, but it's right in the Bible all over the place. It is obvious that those who have already gone to heaven, we can mess them up in some ways. And it's not that they're going to lose what they already have. It's that there's more to be gained even though they're already there. So the losing is you didn't do your part to gain because we are their fruit. And the things that we accomplish goes towards their account. Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. How many know that's the level right there? He said everything. Including you being cold right now. I mean, I'm going to just keep on drilling that into the ground right there. Traffic. You know, you know stop, stop complaining about the weather. How many of you know? If it's too cold, they complain about the cold. Then when it gets hot, they complain about the hot. If it's raining, they complain about the rain. If it's snowing, they complain about the snow. I mean, just, you know, I don't know what they're going to do if it's a volcano hits. You know, just, just, just go with the flow. Just realize, just go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Watch this. I want you to envision a baton when I say this in a relay race. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain <laughs> and that my work was not useless. Why would you say that if your work is already done? Oh, we ran the first leg, we ran the second leg, we ran the third leg. You got the baton. Hold on tight. Because we don't need you to lose the baton. And the, oh, y'all understanding what I'm saying. Otherwise, what we did was in vain. I want you to think about 6,000 years of human history, 6,000 years of people that are in heaven hoping that we don't drop this baton. There are things that we can do. That's why I said we, start, we still got to go deeper. There are things that this generation is doing and is messing them up. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run my part of the race for nothing and that my work was not useless. So it's a 6,000-year relay. There's more responsibility on us than we ever thought. It's funny because we kind of been holding on to all of the teachings in the past. This person taught this, this person taught that, and who that was wonderful. And, and you know what? Let me tell you something. This could spread. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not that important yet. But I told Randall something on Sunday. Right now, the body of Christ, particularly in the United States, when it comes to revival, they're trying to figure out the formula. And, and right now, it's just like, you know, we got we to gotta do this and we got to do this. And in their mind, God is going to then one day push this green button and the revival kicks out. And then on top of that, the body of Christ is starting the revivals that started for a few days and then died out after a few days. You going to tell me that's God's will for something that just happened for a few days or a few weeks and then it dies out? So they're, they're basing their principles on a model they shouldn't have been studying in the first place. Because they're two individuals, Yonggi Cho and Oyedipo, they've been operating in a revival for 30 years. Consistently. It's because they recognize revival is not a moment, it is a real lifestyle. 
And there are things that you can do on purpose to make it happen perpetually. I never forget when we went over to Yonggi Cho's church and he told them American ministers, he said, your problem is you're always looking for a popcorn formula. What can we do quick to get what you paid the price for? And he said, it's simple. I never forget this. Usually the power of God is very, very simple. He said, it's, number one, is three steps. He said, number one, he said, the more you spend time praying in tongues, the more power it produces. And the more power is produced, the more prosperity comes. He said, second thing, he said, I kept on praying for revival to come. And when it did, I kept on praying as though it didn't. In America, y'all pray for something to happen. And then when it does, y'all start shouting and stop doing what produced it in the first place. That's why you'll never walk in it. And we walk in it as a lifestyle like we breathing. So that's what we're moving over into. Oh, you know, I mean, no, our best days are yet to come. I told them, if we got here from scratch, being dumb, ignorant, full of a gunk that other people put on the end of us, pride, all of that. If we got here based on ground zero, man, I keep saying nine years, y'all imagine what we're going to be in three or four. Okay. So these, it's obvious. That's just been bothering me when all of heaven is watching us. Every day, they are watching us, and they're hoping. And see, that's, so, that's why some folk, it's time, for you to, it's time for you to stop your disengagement. You know, they done ran record pace in the first leg, second leg, and third leg, and when it come to your leg, think about this. The, the, the one they picked for the last leg, who's supposed to be the strongest, he decides to walk instead of run. You know what? I'm going to just chill out, you know, just, I'm going to just... And the other three dudes look like, can we kill him? <laughs> That's a lot of honor, but it's also a lot of pressure when the whole race is based on what you're going to do. And oh, scripture over scripture over scripture, it says they can't be perfected. Please don't carry yourself in such a way where what we did, it would end up being like it was useless. It's very serious. Here are the seven things that God promises if you just finish the race. We're not even talking about all of the other stuff that you're supposed to do during the race. These are the seven things that you get if you just finish it. How many plan on finishing? Okay, now understand I might not get all the treasures I'm supposed to get. I might not get all the rewards I'm supposed to get. I might not get all the inheritance I'm supposed to get. But at least let me get the gold medal for finishing. And in this race of life, whether you come in first or last, apparently if you finish, everyone comes in first. How you come in first place in this race is not by having the quickest time. How you come in first place in this race is just simply by finishing it faithfully. Because the Bible says you have to be faithful to the what? End. Remember what Elijah told Elijah? He said, what you've asked for is kind of difficult. He said, but even though you've been with me all these years faithful, you will have to watch me to the last second that I disappear in order to get this type of power and this type of reward. So it does not matter that you've been serving Christ for 45 years. If you don't serve him in the 46th year before you die, you'll still lose because you have to finish the race. It does not matter what you did during the race. It does not matter. You know how when they see someone running a race, they see someone running a race, and they can see that based on your speed, that if you maintain, you're getting ready to break a record. They can see, oh, man, they're ahead of the time. They have these little clocks they can see. They're getting ready to break a record. It does not matter how many records you have broken before. 
It does not matter how fast you are moving. It doesn't matter how fast you are shining while you run the race. If you do not cross that finish line. So there's a reward for finishing. And planet Earth, even if you finish last, they appreciate you finishing. So they at least give you a vocal commendation. You're not going to get any money, but you're going to get a clap. You're not going to get a gold piece, but you're going to get a clap. You're not going to get a wreath or a ribbon, but they will at least appreciate the fact you will get applause and honor and a commendation that you finished the race. But in heaven, let's look at the commendations, the seven things you get just for finishing. <laughs> Revelation 2, 6, 7. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. One of the things that I help you get to the end is that you hate the deeds of individual, not the individual. You hate sin. Because he tells you what the reward is, but he also gives you a cue on what will help you speed through the race to the end. This is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. That term means what I'm telling you is much deeper than what you could even imagine. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. That's the first reward you get if you finish the race faithfully. And that is when you get to heaven, they will tell you to walk over to that tree. And when you take a bite, you cannot die unless you can find out some type of engineering weapon that could kill God. Once you figure out how to kill God, then they can figure out how to kill you. Until then, you will live forever just because you take a bite of that fruit. When Adam messed up, they wouldn't even let him touch the fruit because they said, even though he sinned, even though he has the nature of Satan, if he eats that fruit now, he will live forever just like Satan. So they kicked him out the garden and put a sword that swung on his bone so that if you came close to that tree, you got sliced and diced like a cucumber. So that's the first thing. You get a reward because, oh, sorry, that's the first reward is that you are given fruit and you can live forever. Uh, how many of you know that's good enough right there that you can't die and will never be sick again? Even if I had to live outside like they did back in Tarzan days, I'm good. That didn't come out right, but y'all know what I'm saying. Number two, Revelation 2.10. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. That's another way that you get through the front cross finish line. A lot of people leave God because they can't deal with what they're going through. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you, and you'll suffer for a few days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the church. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Uh, the second death is H-E-L-L, hell. So he said, if you cross the finish line, you won't go to hell. You'll come to heaven and you'll be able to eat from the true tree that allows you to live forever and never get sick. The reason I say that is the Bible says that in heaven, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. How many know that's good enough? If I have to live outside and I can't get a mansion in a special airplane made out of diamonds, I'm good. I'm not going to hell. I don't have to be sick. And I'm going to live forever. Revelation 2.16. Repent of your sin or I'll come to you suddenly and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. So that's another way that you're going to go across the finish line is when you mess up, repent. Don't hang around it. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. He says that because it's deep stuff. 
to everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. That's a lot. Go back to 17 and keep the scripture up. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. All I know is this is the manna in heaven. When they ate it on earth, the Bible says that no one was sick for 40 years and they wore the same clothes that didn't wear out. That's earthly manna that came from heaven. What is the hidden manna away? And see, what I visualize, see, whatever this is, is good. And I know this is a ghetto rendition of what the Lord said, but I kind of picture it as going over to your grandmama's house on Thanksgiving and she tell you, I got something in the back for you hidden away. I got that special sweet potato pie, that special banana pudding that I know you like. We're not going to tell the rest. This is what God is saying. He said, if you cross that finish line, he said, I'm going to give you some of that special food in the back. Did not he say it's hidden? Did he say it's hidden? Man, I need the Lord to catch me up there and show me some of this stuff. But the problem is I may not come back. So, and how you know, Lorana be just sitting right there at the mansion on my mansion, knocking on the door. Well, what you doing up here? <laughs> Gotta tell you, Lorana. So as Smigglesworth was, Smith Wigglesworth, he did that. His wife died. He raised her from the dead. And when she woke up on the table, she said, What are you doing? I didn't want you to go. He had to let her go. That's crazy. You raise your spouse from the dead, and they get mad. Back to verse 17. I'll give you some of that hidden sweet potato pie that's in the back. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. So, so that name, this is some type of password between you and God that gives you special access into something that nobody else in heaven is allowed to have access into. That's why it says, let him who has the spirit understand what the spirit is saying because it's like, y'all can't comprehend this. We can just break it down to your language and let you know this is all good. But how many you know this is already crazy? So, I, see, I, I think the Lord wanted you to be encouraged. I think too many people are taking this message the wrong way. They're just looking at, because it's called profit and loss. But it, th this, this treasure system, this reward system, it's not about how much, it's not about you being careful about how much you're going to lose. It's about, it's about what you can do to gain as much as you can get. You understand what I'm saying? And so the Lord promises wonderful things just if you cross the finish line. Faithfully, you might make some mistakes, but repent of it. You might have fallen in sin yourself, but at least hate it. I mean, you know, if God judged us, if we were disqualified because of sins, how I many you know most of us wouldn't even start it when the gun ring or pop? Well, I'm disqualified already. I ain't going Revelation 2 24. I also have this message for the rest of you and Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I'll ask nothing more of you. That's another way that you get across the finish line. Don't be listening to false, erroneous teaching. Stick to the word. He gives you a hint on how to cross the finish line real fast. Except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the what? Very end. To them I will give authority over all the nations. 
They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. We don't even know what, it, what is the morning star. All we know is, is that's what they call planets, stars. They even call it something they'll call a universe, not universe, they'll call a uh, galaxy a star. But he said, I'll give you the morning star. Um, I don't have the time to teach this, but the Bible talks about the thousand-year reign of Christ. Before the whole world actually completely ends, there'll be a thousand-year reign of Christ where the children of God are in charge of everything. Um, it's where Jesus sets up his earthly rule. God created the planet in six days, then he rested the seventh. That would mimic 6,000 years of human history, and in the seventh year, he would, be, he would not be fighting against Satan. In the book of Revelation, it says at the end of 6,000 years, it says Satan is put in a prison, in a bottomless pit, and it says a great angel puts a lock and chain on it. Him and his entire army is put in a pit with no bottom. Okay, I used to think you just float in the midair, you're actually stuck to the sides of the walls, and you can't move. Other people who have had visions of hell or have been caught down there, they actually saw that, saw this. They said that the creatures are um, stuck to the side of the wall like this. And one guy said that the Lord let him go to hell to experience it. And he allowed him to go there as an unbeliever. So he was there and didn't even know why. And he said, but when then the Lord came in the rescue, to rescue him out of hell, he said he was pulled through this tunnel. He said he was going up this long, long tunnel. He said, he says, all of these grotesque, completely horrific creatures. And he said, these things are so evil. He said, you, you don't even see what's holding them to the wall. And he said, but they're stuck to the wall. He said, and as he's going past, he said, you just see their fingers moving because they're trying to get to him to kill one of them sons of God. It just, it's, it's, these things are just, they are beyond evil. I've heard some things in the last couple of days, y'all. It's almost unbelievable how evil and wicked the devil is. It's almost unbelievable. Well, there is not one single cellular part of his DNA that is even remotely merciful. And he'll kill you to the day you die. But how many know we've been killing him every day? I don't even know where I am. Oh, so thousand year reign of Christ. Well, you rule and reign with Christ. And the reason why he said you'll rule with a rod of iron during those thousand years, the people that are in this world will not want to be ruled by you. So you have to rule them by force, including them smashing them. It'll be, it's forced rule. It's, you didn't want to listen to the sons of God, now you don't have a choice. It's forced rule. It's, that is a whole separate teaching where every single thing in the planet now is owned by a Christian. And sinners are more seen like slaves. That's a whole thousand years of that. He said, if you cross the finish line, I'm going to let you be in charge of something during that time. You might have a choice. You might be like, you want to go back to heaven and rule around for a thousand years? Uh, no, I'm good up here. <laughs> and it's going to blow your mind in the future to see how you have this access to different worlds, access to different dimensions, access to different galaxies. They're empty for a reason. Revelation 2.24. But I also have a message to the rest of you. I already read that. I'm sorry. Revelation 3, 3 through 6. Go back to what you have heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. 
Yet there are some of the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Here's another hint to get you across the finish line. There is a difference between you falling into sin versus cooperating with evil. And there are a lot of Christians that when you support abortion, you are cooperating with evil. And you don't think you are because you haven't committed to sin yourself. But the Bible says that if you support those that do it, it's the equivalent of you doing it yourself. And so there are sins that you can fall into. Then there is the issue of cooperating with evil. And when you cooperate with evil, listen to what he said. He said, you soiled your clothes for the other side. <laughs> Y'all get to the other side, you're going to be like, you have got to be kidding me. Okay, but anyway. He said, if you don't do that, you'll walk with me in white, for you're worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their name from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone, ears, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So what did he say? He said, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. Okay. Clothes up there, a lot of them are white, made out of linen, made out of gold, made out of diamonds. And he said, if you are victorious, he said, I will not erase your name from the book of life. Can you imagine you finish the race, you go to heaven, and Jesus is going, regardless to what you messed up with the other treasures and reward, the, the, big, the, the main reward you at least want to get is crossing the finish line. And he's going to walk you up to the throne and look at his heavenly father and say, they belong to me. And heavenly father say, come on in. How many you know that's good enough right there? Revelation 3.11. This is number six. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. See, there are some sports where you got to hold on to the football because somebody is trying to take it. All who are victorious. I was talking to a friend of mine, Pastor Garrett. He was talking about, well, I'll get to that in a minute. He's talking about how you can be in the game as a pitcher and be doing really, really well. But if you mess up, they'll pull you out the game. And it's three, past, three ministers, three major ministers that just died. Two of them were faithful, and one got pulled out of the game. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. I don't even know what that means. That they're going to write on you. Y'all remember the... Uh, Never mind. You remember in Black Panther how, um, you know, they inside of your lip it could be encoded? Or some of you watched Lord of the Rings where it was engraved on the ring and you couldn't see it unless heat was applied. That's the only thing I can think of. That and a tattoo, you know. But there ain't no license for you to store how you can get tatted up because I'm going to get tattooed. Stop. <laughs> Whatever this is, they write their new name on you. You are branded for life. I appreciate that. I don't know. That might have to do. Let me say this. A lot of this has to do with futuristic stuff and dimensions and galaxies beyond. And then number seven. Verse three. Revelation 3.21. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. That, that in and of itself is crazy. This is the throne by which the whole universe exists. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Okay. So those are the seven things. Those are those are the seven things that you will receive. If you simply hang on to the end, you might mess up some stuff, but if you're faithful to the end, you might not get all your rewards. But if you're just faithful to the end, you might not finish your ministry and get all the way to the end of your de but if you, destiny. But if you just hang on and you just finish and cross the finish line as a child of God and you didn't leave them, those are the seven rewards that you get. And those are very extreme. So when I tell you the stuff that God has for you is way beyond your comprehension. When you start talking about rewards and inheritance, people tend to limit God to what you see on planet Earth. It's not even close. It's not even close. Again, he said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. What? The things that I have prepared for those that love me. And the universe blows us away. And that doesn't count because your eyes and your ears have seen that and heard that. What he has for you is beyond extreme. And some of this stuff that we just read just for you crossing the finish line is insane. Now, let me close. I said I was going to end it at 745, but I'm warm, but I'm sure y'all are not. I know y'all are not. Good grief, that's cold. <laughs> Even the cup is cold. Good grief. Let me get y'all up out of here. You'll be all right. Y'all played in the snow all day long, close to frostbite, so you're going to be all right. You're like, yeah, I was a kid then. There are three ministers who just died. Fred Price, a man by the name of Carmen, and there's another man. I'm not 100% comfortable if I should mention his name. Um, um, I just want to be careful. I do know that men that messed up in the Bible, uh, their names were mentioned. Um, and I'm talking to a pastor friend of mine, and things have to be addressed. But I just want to be careful because there is a fine line between gossip and explaining something. You know, uh, Casey Fred Price, he passed, you know, of course, the last few days. And uh, I think he was uh, 79 or something like that. 89, 89. And so um, he's somebody that in my personal estimation, he's someone that he finished his leg. He finished his leg. He finished it strong. Um, men who become like that, and we're on the same track, men like that, when they die, it creates a void in the spiritual realm. Okay, he died throughout the night, and throughout the night, my wife knew the exact moment he died because she felt the void in the spiritual realm. The Lord uses her like that. I think Devon might have mentioned something also about he knew something was up. These are voids that are left. That person leaves, and then the mantle that they carry, it's a void in the spirit, and somebody has to grab that. Uh, that's another teaching about when you see all of these superheroes with capes, those are what you call mantles. And all of the prophets in the Old Testament, they had one. Elijah carried a mantle. Y'all remember when his, his uh, successor first got the mantle, it says he struck the waters with it and said, where is the God of Elijah? And it says the waters parted. It's amazing how many items were used in a magical way in the Old Testament. It's amazing. Amazing. And so, uh, so Fred Price, he passed. And then, uh, any of you remember Carmen? Yeah, it's the younger folk, they don't know who was Carmen. He looked like a model. But he was, to be honest with you, he was very much an evangelist who was way ahead of his time. I mean, he used like video and music, and he got a lot of people saved. He's still on record for holding the largest gathering in the United States, 70,000 youth and adults over at one meeting. Uh, so he passed away. And, uh, and I mean, he was just, he was very unique. He was just way, I mean, when I say he was a way ahead of his time, you know, he was just way ahead of his time 
And I think that's maybe why he kind of tapped into to, to some kingdom stuff. But there's another great man of God, okay? Um, I will give you a, I, I'll just, I won't mention it publicly, but, um, but it's another great man of God. He was, um, um, I won't even give his nationality, but um, um, he's neither black or white. But he had one of the, for him in that culture, he had one of the largest ministries in the United States um, in the area of apologetics. And, um, and uh, he was, apologetics is defending the gospel, you know. Um, you got to know what you talk about when it comes to doing that, you know. But he kind of did it more from a philosophical point of view. But he was always, he, and he had open debates. They're all over YouTube, all those things. So he, he died of cancer. But after he died, it came out that this man was living a double life. Um, and when I, I don't mean like just like a chick on the side. I mean just like, like just like a double life. And uh, I mean he was he was running a double life with four cell phones that no one could partake of. He was using funds and and I mean just I mean just one of the things is that he had like two hundred um, massage people in his phone and. And what you doing with two massage? You you aching that bad? You know what I'm saying? Just <sighs> so and and so and one of the things that he did was he had these women on the side and there's some claim of rape and all that. I ain't trying to jump into all that, but but women that he apparently did these things to, and so that he wouldn't get exposed, he would tell them things like, "Now you can't make this public because if 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 um if people find out." millions of souls could lose their salvation if you tell it. So he put the onus on them, you know what I'm saying? He put it on, on them that, you know, if you do this, you're going to mess up everybody. And so it's very, very terrible. You know, there's some ladies that he convinced to be with him and because it was a reward for his service to God because men in the Old Testament were allowed to have more than one wife. And so, and this has kind of hit the Christian community very hard because so many people put their faith and trust in this man. What's very interesting is, is how many people were already uncomfortable with this man here, <laughs> including your wife. <laughs> the women always pick it up. The brothers be like, it's, a, it's just a lizard. No, I'm telling you, that is not just a lizard. That's Satan. Garnett's wife told me, she said, don't you remember? I just, I sent you an art, I sent you article two months ago and I told you I was uncomfortable with this man, but I had so much trust in this man, I probably disregarded what Francis said. And I don't trust me in that way. I, any man fall off the rocker, I'm not moved by it either way. That's him. Okay? So, but that's what happened. It's, it's very much a shaking, and people are just like, what is going on? Because one, they see, you know, several ministers pass, and a lot of my pastors that have passed, ain't no big deal. I mean, everybody got to go, you know, sometime. Just make it to the end. But he is somebody that I believe fits the category of someone that God pulled out the game. And, and many times when you see ministers being pulled out the game, two things happen. They get sick or their memberships are going down really fast. Okay. And, and so I'm just going to close this. It's only take five minutes. You know, there's a book called The Vision. You're going to see a whole lot of shaking. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. Okay. And you're going to see a whole lot of shaking. And the shaking will still be God's mercy. You're going to see more and more ministers and pastors getting sick. Not every pastor or minister that dies from sickness and disease is because they were against, you know what I'm saying? So don't get over to that. You know, I think that uh, Pastor Price was just dealing with some COVID-related stuff, but the man was 90, you know what I'm saying? 
And, and sometimes you get around that age and you look back at your life and you know that your kids are tight like Abraham. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go to the other side. Y'all are good. Okay. So I'm not hardly trying to put that on uh, Fred Price or Carmen, uh, but this and the gentleman as well as others. There's a book called The Vision by Rick Joyner. So you can read these accounts where the Lord called him up to heaven. He was allowed to talk to pastors who had not done the right thing. So as we continue doing this heavenly reward system, I'm going to give quotes by the men of God in heaven who they got a reward for crossing the finish line, but they lost all of the other things because of how they carried themselves during the race. Y'all got me. First one. This is Rick Joyner talking to this man of God. The man of God tells him, and I believe they have the graphic, they can put it up. He says, here in heaven, you can remember such things without continuing to feel the pain. A moment in the lowest part of heaven is much greater than a thousand years of the highest life on earth. Now my mourning at my folly, in regards to how he carried himself, has been turned into joy. And I know that I will experience joy forever, even if I am in the lowest place in heaven. This is another guy. Next graphic. By the grace of God, I did trust in the cross for my own salvation. However, I actually kept other men from it leading them to myself rather than to the Lord. Even so, the blessed Savior remains faithful to us even when we are unfaithful. It was also by his grace that the Lord took me from the earth sooner than he would have, just so those who were under me could find him and come to know him. Not all sicknesses of the devil and not all sicknesses because you ate too, pork, too much pork. Some sickness as God pulls back on you and allows you to get sick because that is something about sickness and disease that humbles you. Some of y'all know about them bathroom experiences because you ate too many tacos the previous night. Most of y'all, you can sit up here and laugh all you want to. Most of y'all know that you got that one stomach ache and you were crying out to God about sins known and unknown. You repented for sins you're going to commit in the future. You were like, Lord, have mercy on... It's something about sickness and disease, it humbles you. Because it's, it's the, let me tell you something, money without health it means nothing. You know, it's just, you know, I've been there a couple of times where you just, that's just a bad feeling when you're sick, you know, and, and the Bible says the spirit of a man can sustain the sickness and disease. It's just a bad feeling. And so God allows these men of God to get sick and it humbles them like it did Job. And then they begin to realize I'm probably sick because of my sin. And so they repent, and, and it's God's mercy that allows them to get sick because if he did not allow him, them to get sick, they would have kept on, and they would have crossed what you call the line of perdition. You've been in sin so long, you've now crossed back, and now you can't go to heaven. So there are some men, there are some women, there are some family members, there are some coworkers, there are some neighbors. God pulls the plug on him because he's trying to do whatever he can to get them to heaven. So you'll see a Christian living in sin. You see them die, and it's because the Lord is going to pull the plug before they cross the line. They lose everything, but at least they get the reward. I don't even know if they get the reward for being faithful. He takes you out the race. Because if I let you keep on running, you're going to lose anyway. And you're going to lose everything. That's crazy. That's God's unlimited mercy, though. <clears throat> Next graphic. I've turned away many of God's own children, precious people he had entrusted to me so they could be brought to maturity. I failed with many of those who stayed with me. Most of them suffered terrible and unnecessary wounds and failures 
that I could have helped them avoid. Many of them are now prisoners of the enemy. I built a large organization, he continued, and had considerable influence in the church. But the greatest gifts the Lord entrusted to me were the people who were sent to me for discipling, many of whom I rejected. I've been a part of organizations like that. They, they love ministry, but they don't love men. They run over men in order to build a ministry. Okay, next graphic. Had I not been so self-centered and concerned about my own reputation, I would be a king here. I was called to sit on one of the highest thrones. All that you have and will accomplish would have been in my heavenly account as well. Instead, much of what I gave my attention to was of very little eternal significance. But what you accomplished was astounding, I interjected. What looks good on earth looks very different here, he replied. What will make you a king on earth will often be a stumbling block to keep you from being a king here. What will make you a king here is lowly and unacclaimed on planet earth. Next graphic. Got four more. I am here because I made, by the way, gave us some mistakes you can make as one. These are all pastors and ministers he's talking to who lost their entire reward, by the way. I am here because I made one of the gravest mistakes you can make as one entrusted with the glorious gospel of our Savior, he answered. Just as the apostle Paul progressed from not considering himself inferior to the greatest apostles to being the greatest of sinners, I took the opposite course. I started out knowing that I had been one of the greatest sinners who had found grace, but ended up thinking that I was one of the greatest apostles. It was because of my great pride not insecurity like our friend here, that I began to attack everyone who did not see everything just the way that I did. Bible puts it clear. Don't judge by the appearance. Not only that, you ain't an expert on everything. Next graphic. I stripped those who followed me of their own callings and even their personalities, pressuring them all to become just like me. No one around me could be himself. No one dared to question me because they knew I would crush them into powder. I thought by making others smaller, I made myself greater. I thought that I was supposed to be the Holy Spirit to everyone. These all men lost a reward. And most of you, if not all of you, have been a part of ministries that have been doing this. From the outside, my ministry looked like a smooth running machine where everyone was in unity and there was perfect order, but it was the order of a concentration camp. I took the Lord's children and made them automatons or robots. I molded them into my own image instead of his. In the end, I was not even serving the Lord, but rather the idol I had built to myself. By the end of my life, I was actually an enemy of the true gospel, at least in practice, even if my teachings and writings seemed impeccably biblical. There are a lot of word pastors. They love the word, but their lifestyle and their actions, you can see by the congregation members that are with them. They've been with you for 30 years and they still haven't moved forward. I'm sorry. I think I put up the next graphic for me. I think I read that one already. So go to the next one. These are the last two. I could not have been more stunned to think that this particular man was guilty of such things. 
history had given us a different picture of him. This is Rick Joyner talking. And reading what was going on in my heart, the pastor continued, God does have a different set of history books than those on earth. You have had a glimpse of this, but you do not yet know how different they are. Earthly histories will pass away, but the books that are kept up here will last forever. If you can rejoice in what heaven is recording about your life, you are blessed indeed. Men see through a glass darkly, so their histories will always be clouded and sometimes completely wrong. <laughs> You're going to go to heaven and say, this is the one who created electricity. The angel going to say, that's a lie. This is the one who created electricity. What did he say? History books and planet Earth are going to pass away. Why? They are all wrong in the first place. Last one. When Rick Joyner heard all of these things from the different ministers, he asked one. He said, if you were this crazy, how was it that so many other leaders esteemed you so? I inquired, still having trouble absorbing what I was hearing. Very few Christians, even very few leaders, have the true gift of discernment. Without this gift, it is impossible to accurately discern truth in those of the present or the past. Even with this gift, it is difficult. Until we have been here in heaven and been stripped, we will judge others through distorted prejudices, either positive or negative. That is why we were warned not to judge before the time. Until you have been to heaven, you cannot really know what is in the hearts of others and whether they are performing good or evil deeds. There have been good motives in even the worst of men and evil motives in even the best of them. Only here can men be judged by both their deeds and their motives. So those are a few excerpts from a book called The Vision. It's a visionary experience. The Lord caught them up and ended up being five of them. The first one liked to kill me, and I'm glad because I died to it. But over and over and over and over and over again, the Lord began to just expose to him his own misconceptions. He was caught up to the experience over one prayer. He asked the Lord to judge him ruthlessly so that he could get a good reward. In that book, people, there are other pastors that are offended because sometimes I'll let people call me by my first name. But it was our reason I did that is because, and this is my last statement, Jesus told Rick Joyner this statement, and I quote, he said, most of my pastors and ministers think that their title is rank. He said, title has nothing to do with rank. He said, that office call. I'm a pastor. It's my office call. If you're a computer technician, office call. Prophet, office call. Police officer, office call. He said, title is an office call. He said, rank is decided by only three things. Who walks in the most love? Who walks in the most humility? And who sacrifices the most for the gospel? And most pastors and prophets don't fit that category, even though they have wonderful buildings. But God is not into a building. He's into the heart of a man. He said, you are the building, not your fancy light show. So this helps you understand why there are many men of God that they promote themselves a particular way. And they have impressed the masses because the masses are ignorant because they're being taught by ignorant men who don't walk in humility, but they walk in pride. If you question them about anything, they cut you down and kick you out of the church. I've seen that in my entire life. That's why I checked out. And people still talking to me today about why I checked out. When I checked out, I checked into something else. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm just encouraging you, you know, 
You want to read the word? You want to do these things? You want to practice these things? I'm going to keep shoving it down your throat. I'm going to keep telling you even when you don't want to hear it. I'm going to keep on preaching it and I'm going to keep on teaching it. Because whether you want to hear it or not, some of this stuff is going to start to soak in. But you all, you got to go home and you got to look in the mirror and say, who am I when 6,000 years of human history is being laid on my back? And the ones who have gone before us are saying stuff like, yeah, um, y'all can't mess this up. Y'all can't. The Bible says there's a cloud of witnesses watching you all day long. They don't sleep. They even know the dreams that God gives you. And they're hoping, they're hoping that you don't mess this up. They're hoping that you, because one of the things that the Lord showed me is that he showed me it, it, it's one baton, but all of us are carrying it together because it's so heavy. So if you don't do your part, you're slowing me down. If you don't have a prayer life, you're messing me up. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Each part adds to it. One can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. So if you don't do your part, it's a huge amount of power that's being left out because you don't do your part. But yet, it's the church that has convinced us that we ain't nothing. Because you don't have a title or you don't have a little raggedy pulpit. You understand what I'm saying? It's the, it's the leaders that have convinced us that we are not. God has said you everything and more than the ones that went before you. But the preacher says, no, you ain't all right. I understand God gave you a dream. That's just the pizza you ate. He didn't give you no dream. He didn't give you no purpose. He didn't give you no gifts of the spirit. He didn't give you no destiny. I don't care nothing about what you call to do. You can't be a prophet. And yet, he saved the best for last. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, Slowly but surely, the eyes of the whole planet are beginning to turn towards us. And you know, you want to know the one reason why? Because the Lord knows that he can turn them toward us because we won't corrupt them. We're going to tell these people who they really are. I'm getting, you know, we're getting ready to do something and, and other pastors are going to be mad at us because they're just going to be mad because the Lord told me to start treating everything like the whole planet was mine. And I've already had call. I got people in other states saying, we ready. <laughs> we ready. <laughs> this ain't about me. It's not about you. It's about everybody. And ultimately, it's about Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.